I'm excited. This is so awesome. I love that we have a church that is all about investing in the next generation. I mean, this whole week we had the next generation of filmmakers on campus. You've had the next generation of worship leaders that are up here leading. You didn't know this, but behind the scenes, there's actually been a whole nother next gen that is running the screens. They are running cameras. They are all over. So I want you to know, I love this church because that sign out there in the atrium that says whoever wants the next generation the most will get them is so true here because this church is about reaching the next generation. For that, I wanna say thank you. For those of you who have not had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Tim Johnson. I am the student pastor here at Sherwood. And I want you to know I'm really excited about being here, but also super nervous, if I can just be totally honest. I've heard you're supposed to admit when you're nervous, so I'm gonna go ahead and do that. Like, this is really nerve wracking to be here. And the reason why is because if you've been around Sherwood for any amount of time, Sunday nights are incredible. Like from our worldview nights to the question and answers night, all the way down to just walking through a book of the Bible. Our pastor brings the preaching game on Sunday nights. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this too, though. He's got another game that's pretty incredible. If you know, if you've noticed, he comes and he's got an incredible shoe game on Sunday nights as well. He is a preacher in sneakers. All right, so... I was joking with the students, I said it would be really awesome for us to start him an Instagram account just for his sneakers. And uh, so if you guys want to do that, go ahead. But so, <laughs> this may be the last night I ever get to speak. All right, so anyway, so let's just jump into tonight's topic before they cut me off. So tonight we're going to be talking about practicing the presence of God. And this has been a topic that the Lord has just been working over my heart for the past year to year and a half. And he's been teaching me practically what this means in my everyday life. But he's also been just teaching me through experience, just the joy, the peace, and the rest that comes from just being in his presence all throughout my day. And this has begun to influence not only my personal life, it's begun to influence my ministry life as well. Uh, this, past, this past year, we actually started taking our students through this whole journey of what it, does, what it means to practice the presence of God. And uh, as we went through this, we talked about what does it mean to have the relationship with God? How does the Holy Spirit come in and begin to change us and begin to morph our desires? How does he begin to change our actions, our attitudes? And we talked about how do we actually begin to spend time with him all throughout our day? And so we spent basically in high school the whole fall semester and part of our winter semester talking about this. And then we capped it all off with a high school retreat. And so about a month ago, we took a group of students off to a retreat center. And the whole goal of this retreat was simply just to help students understand how to fall more in love with the presence of the, with God. That was the whole goal. We wanted them to fall more in love with the presence of the Lord and spending time with Him. And so what we did is we, we taught them some basic spiritual disciplines and then we gave them the practical applications. We got them talking to each other about how they could apply those disciplines into their daily life. And we talked about four basic spiritual disciplines. The first one was the one that all of you would probably think of, and that is Bible intake. How do we read our Bibles? How do we study our Bibles? We gave them markers and pens. We taught them how, a couple of inductive Bible study methods. We taught them just how to be, begin to dig into the Word of God to be able to find the meat that is there and to be able to journal and pull out the application into their everyday life. We then talked about prayer. We didn't just talk about just 
just simple prayer. We talked about how we pray all throughout our day. How do we begin to actually pray back to God the words that we find in Scripture? We begin to talk about how we pray for our lost friends and for our friends to be able to grow in their relationship with Christ. And then we went through and began to teach them about meditation. We talked about what is the difference between Eastern meditation and Christian meditation. And we talked about how, you know, Eastern meditation is all about emptying our minds, but how Christian meditation is about filling our minds with God's word, with thoughts about him. But then the last practice is probably the one that if I was to say, hey, let's go do this right now, would make most of you pretty nervous. And it definitely made them nervous. And it was the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude. Let me say that again. Silence and solitude. For a teenager are two of the most terrifying words to hear. And so what we did is we, <laughs> we told our teenagers, what we're going to do is we're going to send you out all across the retreat center... And we don't want you to take your Bible, don't take your journal, don't take your pen, don't take your phone, don't take any of it. We just want you to sit quietly with the Lord. There was a moment of panic amongst the retreat. And so we sent them out, they did this. And what was so cool is for about 20 minutes, we said, hey, we're only going to do this for 20 minutes, but we want you to go out, sit, be with the Lord. And then when you hear the, the cool, I got to ring a dinner bell every week, which was fantastic. Like, so I got to ring this dinner bell and they would all come back in. And as we're sitting over dinner talking about this, I expected to hear, oh, I just didn't know what to do. I was so bored. It was like it lasted forever. But what I actually began to hear was something totally different. I heard it from one or two people, that story. But for the majority of the students that were on this retreat, they they came in and they were just talking about, this was absolutely incredible. They're like, this was unlike anything that I've ever experienced because it was for the first time I'd just been able to slow down to rest. And for the first time I started experiencing just the peace, the joy that comes only from the presence of the Lord. And as they begin to just describe just this experience to me uh, over dinner, I, the, the old psalm, Psalm 1611, came back to my mind. And in the NLT it says this, it says, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Is your students on this retreat, they began to discover this. And what they loved about the silence and the solitude, which they said was one of their favorite disciplines that we practiced, the thing that they said that they loved the most about this was it was, again, not just the slowing down. It wasn't just the fact that they got to actually be by themselves. The thing they kept talking about was, I got uninterrupted time just to focus my heart and my mind upon the Lord. And can I tell you my worry for my generation and for the generation that's coming up after me? My worry is that we have so normalized a life of hurry, that we have so normalized this lack of rest and this living in constant anxiety and worry. And I worry that, you know, we have so normalized filling every free moment of life with social media, with entertainment, with music, that my fear is this. My fear is that we are slowly and unintentionally trading the joy of God's presence and the pleasures of living with him for a cheap counterfeit of a life that we are just hoping will one day satisfy us. 
And so tonight, what I want us to look at is the incredible gift that as followers of Jesus, we have been given the gift of God's presence that is with us and within us. And I want us to look at the life that I fear so many are forfeiting for a mediocre counterfeit. So if you got your Bibles, let me encourage you to open up to the book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And we're going to be starting in verse 15, and we're going to be jumping a little bit around. No, tonight's message is going to be a little bit more topical uh, than it is going to be exegetical. But in John chapter 14, just to give you the context, we are just hours away from the cross. We're hours away from the cross. Jesus is about to leave, and he's going to be going to the Father through resurrection. And the disciples, they've just heard this, and they are worried. They are upset. Because Jesus, who they have left everything to follow, is now saying, hey, where I'm going, you can't go. And they've left family. They've left jobs. They've left everything to follow Jesus. But Jesus begins to explain to them. He says, this is a very good thing, though. Listen to what he says, starting in verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands... And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you. And listen to this. And to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Skip down to verse 25. He says, in all this I've spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let's pray. Father, just thank you for your word. God, we thank you for this incredible gift that you have given. Father, would you help us to understand it? Father, would you help us to know how to just enjoy and to live with this incredible gift? In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus is looking at his disciples and saying, look, I know you're upset. I know you're worried. But he says, it is best that I leave because when I leave, the Holy Spirit will come. And he begins to tell us all the different things that the Holy Spirit is going to do. He says, the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's going to help you. He's going to help you in this life. He's going to be a guide for you. He's going to teach you. He's going to remind you of all that I've said. But then listen to what else Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to do. Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. Again, these disciples, they have given up everything to follow Jesus. They have left homes, they've left jobs, they've left occupation, family, all of it. And it is to be with Jesus. That was their whole goal as followers of Jesus. To be in his presence, to spend time with him. And now Jesus is saying, you can't go where I'm going. But through the Holy Spirit, you can have God's presence with you at all times. Because he says he'll be with you forever. And then verse 17, he says, not only will he just be with you, he will be in you. And Jesus goes on to say, this is so much better. 
This is so much better for you. Because now through the Holy Spirit, you can actually experience God's presence at all times. You can be going to work and you can be in God's presence. You can be doing work and you can be in God's presence. You can be anywhere at any time and you can be in God's presence because God's presence will be with you and through the Holy Spirit, he will be in you. You see, this promise was not only for those disciples. This is a promise that is true for every single person who places their faith in Jesus. And so the first thing I want us to begin to understand tonight is the first and primary goal of the Christian life. The first and primary goal of the Christian life is to know God. It is to have a real intimate relationship with him. It is to know him. John 17, 3 talks about this. Pastor Paul walks us through this all the time. Through This is the gospel. And if you've gone through that study, you've seen this. But the basic premise of the Christian life is just to know God. It's to have this relationship with him. But here's the daily goal. You ready for this? The daily goal of the Christian life is to be with God all throughout your day. It's to have this relationship. I mean, think about whenever you and your spouse were dating for a moment. That was a really exciting time. Like, you loved it. I can remember when I was dating my wife, Rebecca. We, uh, we would go through and we'd actually FaceTime a lot. I love that we had that because we could actually see each other. And I remember I would drop anything and everything that I was doing whenever that FaceTime call would come through. Why? Because I wanted to spend time with her. I wanted to get to know this girl. And the fact that she was interested in me, that was a really big deal. So I was really excited about this. And it was worth the time to me. And I was willing to give up anything and everything just to be with her. And the same is true for our relationship with God. The daily goal of the Christian life is to be with him and to spend time with him all throughout our day. And this is the beauty of what John 14 tells us. And so... There are multiple names for this all throughout church history. Uh, If you keep on reading there in John chapter 15, Jesus is going to call it abiding. Uh, Paul will call it walking in the spirit in Galatians 5. Our Catholic friends call it contemplation. But my favorite is the language of Brother Lawrence. And Brother Lawrence calls this practicing the presence of God, where I totally ripped off my message title from. And so... He calls it practicing the presence of God. If you're familiar, Brother Lawrence, he is a, he's a French monk from the 1600s. And this French monk became very well known across his little part of uh, France there. And people would come from all over just to hear the wisdom. Because he had such an intimate, close walk with the Lord. That people just were like, what in the world are you doing? And the really amazing part about Brother Lawrence is that Brother Lawrence was not a... He was not like really high up in the monastery. He was not real high up in the church or anything like that. He was just the monastery cook. And later on in life, he got either demoted or promoted, however you look at it, down to working in the sandal shop. But he was sought after. And it's because of what his life was all about. And listen to the quote that he write, that's written about him in, this, in his little book titled Practicing God's Presence. It says, my priority is to be in God's presence and stay there. I mean, think about that. My priority, the whole thing that I want to do, is to get in God's presence again and again and again 
and to stay there. He says, that's where I focus on devotion to him, a real presence of God. In other words, this devotion is my soul's regular, quiet, private conversation with God. This is where I find joy and how I stay content. And I love this. He says, sometimes, sometimes the joy is so intense that I have to tone it down. And I'm afraid that I might even look silly. This dude's like, look, I, by the way, I'm really sorry. I work with 11 to 18 year olds. I will say the word dude a lot tonight. So, um, but the, uh, <laughs> this guy is, he's so excited about being in the presence of the Lord that it's just spilling over. In everything that he does, he's constantly, he's like worried because he's so excited about being in the presence of the Lord. He's worried that this is just, people are going to look at him and be like, what's wrong with him? What's going on? But listen to what he says. He says, but yet I am 100% sure that my soul has been with God these past 30 years. How many of you would love for that to be the testimony of your life? I am confident beyond the shadow of a doubt for, for the past 30 years, I have been with the Lord. So let's look at what this life looked like for him. He says, for me, he explained, work time is no different than prayer time. Even in the noise and the clatter of the kitchen with different people calling for different things all at once, I still know God's presence with just as much real peace as if I were on my knees at communion. 6 a.m., body, the blood of Jesus, one of the most holy moments for this month. And he says, that moment is no different from the chaos, the clutter, people calling for different things, hungry, grunchy French monks wanting whatever it is that a French monk eats. Like, he's like, that moment... That moment is no different than that holy moment. And for what this, what this means for you and I is that worship on a Sunday night, nights of worship, those types of moments do not have to be any different than when you were at work or when you were with your kids. Because God's presence is with you and his presence is in you. This is the joy of John 14, is that his Holy Spirit is with us. He's in us. But you want to know what the problem is? <laughs> it may be with us and in us, but the truth is, we're not always aware of it. And this is why we must be intentional in creating an awareness of God's presence in our daily habits of life. We've got to begin to see, okay, how can I begin to mentally bring God's presence into my daily habits of life. When I'm going to the grocery store, how can I be going to the grocery store and in God's presence? How can I eat breakfast and be in God's presence? How can I take my kids to school and be in God's presence? How can I be at work and in God's presence? How can I be at home mowing the yard, doing all these things and in God's presence? Well, it takes intentionality of saying, you know what, I'm gonna seek to bring God's presence or to make myself aware of God's presence during the midst of my daily habits of life. And the theologian Dallas Willard, he goes through and he says this. He says, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in thus, here he uses the language of Brother Lawrence, 
in practicing the presence of God is to direct and to redirect our minds constantly to him. I love this. He says, in the early time of our practicing, we may be well challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on lesser things in God. I mean, he's really gracious there. He's like, look, you're going to get distracted and you're going to lose focus here. He's like, and you're going to be burdened by this. And think about it. For some of us, we have lived a large portion of our life not bringing God into our daily habits of life. Guess what? That's a habit. But listen to what he says. But these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. And I love this. A new, grace-filled habit will replace the former ones. But listen, as we take intentional steps towards keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. But did you catch what he said? It takes intentional effort. It takes an intentionality of keeping God always before our minds. So how do we do this? How do we direct and then redirect when we get distracted our minds back to the presence of the Lord again and again? I want to submit to you just a couple of very simple, very simple ways of doing this. The first one is this, is begin and end your day focusing on God. Told you, very simple. Begin and end your day focusing on God. And we get this habit from the life of Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, which is the ultimate morning person's verse, it says this. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and all the morning people said, amen. Uh, in, <laughs> but it says, Jesus then left the house. He went out to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, as a non-morning person, I read this and I go, okay, Jesus, thanks. Like, you had to set this as the example. But think about the reasoning behind it. Jesus at this moment in his ministry is busy. He's got people that want his attention. He's, got, he's doing miracles. He's got all this stuff going on in his life. And he has tons of people who want his attention. And so before the circumstances of the day... And before the people who need his attention were up, guess what he did? He slipped away quietly so that he could spend intentional time with the Father, setting his mind upon him and getting his mind ready to face the needs of the day. Probably all of you in this room, you have circumstances and people that the moment they wake up desire and possibly need your attention. But look at how Jesus also ended his day. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, we see that Jesus ends his day. He goes up on the mountain. He begins to pray. He gets alone with the Lord after he dismisses everybody. And we see that Jesus begins his day focusing in on the presence. And we see that Jesus ends his day focusing in on the presence. And while this is a really simple thing, 
a really simple habit. I want you just to think for a second. Think about how often we trade out those times for a ton of little things that are less than God. Like for me, I'm not gonna lie, I have a love-hate relationship with social media. I love it. It's fun to get on. It's enjoyable to look at. And it's a lot of fun just to read and keep up with everything that's going on in the lives of the people that I love. But it's also addictive. And it can easily become the very first thing that I look at in the morning. And it can easily become the very last thing that I'm sitting there scrolling before I go to bed. For some of you, it may not be that. It may be email. It may be that you just, you struggle to get up and then you've got littles that just demand your attention and then you've got to go to work and then you're just into the chaos of your day. But think about this habit that Jesus had. Think about just how simple it is to just begin and to end our day just fixing our mind, our attention upon the Lord. His presence is with you. His presence is in you. The second one comes out of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and it is to present your everyday routines as an offering to the Lord. Present your everyday routines as an offering for the Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and your proper Worship, And I love Eugene Peterson, his translation of this in the message. It says this. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. Going to work. Walking around life. And listen to what he says. And just place it before God is an offering. The everyday task of life. Have the opportunity to be an act of worship to the Lord. But can I submit this to you as well? Is that the everyday task of life can also become the catalyst that reminds us to run back to the presence of the Lord again and again and again. Something as simple as driving in the car. For me, whenever I get in the car, like, I don't have a long drive. So coming into work, it's, it's like five minutes from my house here to the church um, a lot of times when I'm heading to meetings, like, I mean, it's Albany, like the worst traffic you have is a stoplight. And so um, it, it doesn't take very long to get around. But for me, it's a simple moment just to be able to refocus and to give God my attention again. And so anytime I'm, I'm in the car, I will rarely turn on music. I'll rarely go through and, and get on my phone. Occasionally I'll make phone calls and whatnot. So don't think like every time I'm in the car and you see me, oh, Tim's having a super spiritual moment. It, it may not be. But <laughs> if you do see me talking to myself, it, I might be praying. You never know. Um, but it's one of those things where every time I get in the car, it's just a simple reminder, though, to just go back in the presence of the Lord. If I've got something on my mind, I just begin to talk to the Lord about it. If I'm going to a meeting, I start praying for that meeting. If I know that we've got this, like a camp or we've got something coming up and it's just, it's just there, I just begin to submit it before the Lord. If there's nothing else, I just begin to tell the Lord how awesome he is. It can be the simple, easy habits of life that can drive us back into the presence of the Lord again and again. Think about folding laundry. It's the dreaded task of every adult in this room, unless it's towels. Towels are never too bad, but... 
But when we go to fold laundry, like this is a simple, easy way that you can begin to think, oh, this is a great reminder to get back in the presence of the Lord. And rather than like turning on the TV or whatever and just filling our minds with empty entertainment, we can use the time where we're folding those clothes to start praying for the person who will be wearing them. As you're folding your kid's uh, soccer jersey, begin to pray for that coach. There are all types of little things that we can begin to use all throughout our day just to drive our attention and our affection right back to the Lord. But no, this will take practice. And no, it won't be easy. It is a habit that must be developed and learned. But remember what Dallas Willard tells us. It is just a habit not the law of gravity, and our old habits can be broken, and they can be replaced by a new grace-filled one. And so in the same vein of all three of these, of presenting your everyday routine and starting ending your day focusing upon the Lord, the last one is this, is to pray all throughout your day. To pray all throughout your day. First Thessalonians, the famous verse says uh, in chapter five, verse 16, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This verse goes through, and your version probably says uh, to pray without ceasing. And this verse kind of outlines how we can begin to do this, how we can have this constant, ongoing conversation with the Lord. The first thing it tells us is just to rejoice always. There's always something that you can be, rejoice, that you can be rejoicing about. There's always an aspect or an element of God's character that you can begin to rejoice about, whether it is the fact that he is faithful, whether he's the one that's provided you with something, whether he is your healer, how gracious he is. And oftentimes what we see is that whenever we rejoice always, that begins to lead to the second part that he talks about, and that is to give thanks to God. And there's always something also to give thanks to the Lord about. We're really good at this about meals, by the way. Like when it comes to praying for our food, we're like, Lord, thank you for this food. But I mean, like we're good at that. But there's simple things. Like, God, thank you that I got gas in my car when I woke up this morning because it's 30 degrees all of a sudden. Like, God, thank you for this. Thank you that we have hot water in our house. God, thank you that we have this. Thank you for the simple, easy, little things of life that sometimes are just mundane. Thank you there's food in the fridge. Thank you that we have these things. And that's just God as provider. God, thank you that you give us health. God, thank you that you have restored this in my life. You just begin to think about all these different things that the Lord does. And what do these do? They drive us right back into his presence again and again and again. And the joy of this is that he is with you and that he is in you. The last one, though. This is one that I feel like is so practical for us. He says, rejoice always, pray continually. But look at what he says. He says, give thanks. But he says, give thanks in all circumstances. In all circumstances. In everything that you're going through. When times are good, thank him. When times are difficult, express how much you need him. When times are confusing, he's there to supply wisdom. Just go. When you're bored, instead of turning to the empty entertainment this world offers, just go to him and be like, Lord, 
My desire's for that, but Lord, would you just change it into a desire for you? Our circumstances, the things that we're walking through, the stress at work, the stress with kids, whatever it is that we're walking through in that moment can be used as a chance to remind us to go right back into the presence of the Lord because he's with you and he's in you. So the primary goal of the Christian life is to know God. The daily goal is to spend time with him all throughout your day. We have been gifted with the joy of his presence. We have the pleasure of living with him each and every day. But here's the final question as we close. Is will you embrace this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit? who is with you and who is in you? Or will you forfeit it for a cheap momentary substitute? Can we pray? Father, thank you for tonight. Lord, we love you. And God, we thank you for this incredible gift of your Holy Spirit. This incredible gift that you have given us Lord, your Holy Spirit is here to help us, to guide us, to lead us, to remind us of your words. But God, your Holy Spirit is also here so that we can know that you are with us and that you are in us. Father, would you just constantly draw us into your presence? Would you help us to practice the presence of God each and every day, each and every moment, while we're at work, while we're at play, while we're going through the everyday routines of life. Father, would you just draw us into your presence again and again and again. God, may we fall in love with just being with you. God, I pray all these things in your holy name. Amen.